You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Jesus is the King who became a servant. Discover more about this truth in our series, BC. Listen to this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are concluding our Christmas series entitled BC. Everybody say BC. How many of you feel the busyness of this season? Okay, BC means before Christ, and we are uh, finishing our third installment on this Christmas season. Basically, uh, these are all the prophetic words given about the Lord, and there, of course, there's a lot of prophetic words given about the Lord, but we just focused on three for, uh, over the past three uh, weeks, and so today we are uh, concluding it. Talking about big surprises, this year, actually, we've seen a lot of big news, big surprises, sometimes shocking news. One of the main news that came out about two days ago was that news between the U.S. and Cuba. How many of you have heard of that news? How many of you consider that as a good news? I think it's a good news, right? That finally, after 54, 55 years, the relationship between Cuba and U.S. will finally be restored. There's a lot of U.S. politicians who are talking negatively about this, but we see that uh, you know, for the first time in 50 years, President Obama, the president of the U.S., from his Oval Office, called the president of Cuba and is making an alliance, and hopefully they will fix the relationship after that Cold War for the past 15, 50 years. And uh, the president now of Cuba is Raul uh, Castro, who is the brother of Fidel Castro. I, Fidel, I think, is... Uh, um, a little bit old, so he turned over the, the leadership of that nation back in 2011. And so the Cuban people are so excited that finally they will have a U.S. embassy in Havana. And what they did was they have actually exchanged spies. So the captured spies of the U.S. from Cuba has finally been released uh, in exchange for the spies captured uh, by Cuba, the U.S. spies, and they were actually brought back home, back to U.S. soil. And so that's a bit of a good news. Another bit of a shocking big news that came out about a couple of days ago, a few weeks ago, is that game of LeBron and, uh, you know, Kate Middleton and uh, uh, his, uh, her husband watching that game. And uh, you notice that the, arms, the arm of LeBron is actually on the shoulder of Kate. And uh, what they're saying was that is a no-no because that is going against the royal protocol. You cannot touch a royalty and make beso-beso with any of the uh, members of the royal family, much more put your hands around the, you know, the next queen, uh, sorry, the next, uh, no, not the next queen, but the, the future queen of England. And so for the next, you know, like 20 seconds, he was actually <laughs> putting his arms and then, you know, you see the face of Kate. She was uh, just making, okay, okay, what's happening here? <clears throat> but, you know, it's, um, it was a bit of uh, good news. But I think one of the most shocking news, aside from this, is really the discovery that Hello Kitty is not a cat. I'm not really sure if you've heard of this news, but somehow Sanrio has uh, admitted that Hello Kitty is not a cat. Can you imagine that? How many of you grew up seeing Hello Kitty... And enjoying that little, you know, because I have daughters, sorry, I have daughters, so I'm not playing with Hello Kitty, hello. <laughs> I, so I'm familiar with this, uh, I'm familiar with this uh, character. And uh, Hello Kitty scholar named uh, Christine Yao, or Yano, said, that's one correction Sanrio made for my script for the show, because there was a big show, and Sanrio said, Hello Kitty 
is not a cat. She's a cartoon character. In fact, she's a girl. She's a friend, but she's not a cat. She's never depicted on all fours. If you notice, Hello Kitty never walked on all fours, four legs, but she walked as a normal girl, just like, you know, yeah, normal, two-legged creature. Okay? She does have a pet cat, they said. And the name of the pet cat of Hello Kitty is Charmy Kitty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So some discovery this afternoon. You know, but we were talking about big news, shocking news. But I think one of the biggest news ever that we can actually celebrate is the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God Himself, become man, became man, and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords became a servant to serve His people. And so that's really of a big news. And today we're going to be looking at the King who became a servant. I'd like to invite everyone to stand and we're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7. And this is one of the familiar verses that we normally hear every Christmas time. Okay, verse 6, we're we're reading from the ESV version. What is ESV again? Essential Essential Victory. Okay, very good. Very good class. Okay. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's English Standard Version, okay? Verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Let's all read these four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So that's from Isaiah. It describes basically that our coming king is not just an ordinary king, but he's actually a very compassionate king. One who's counselor, one who's father, one who's mighty God, and one who's prince of peace. Now, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20 how this king would describe himself as one who walked among his people. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 20, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Look at the person beside you. Not so with you. Not so with you. Tell that person. Not so with you. Sagutin mo. And also with you. Okay? And also with you. Alright? But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the preaching of your word. We open up our hearts and our minds. And Lord, speak to us as the Holy Spirit would teach us uh, things about you, Lord God. And may we know you even better today. We thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding to know you better. We commit to you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Make sure you're smiling at the person beside you. Smiling, just showing that you're glad to be seated beside him or her. All right. If you're joining us for the first time, you know, the background, you know, as I said two weeks ago, because you talked about Isaiah chapter 7, basically the whole context of Isaiah was 
the time when this king Ahaz, okay, and Tagalog, Ahaz, okay, King Ahaz or Ahaz was in, um, you know, he, he was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. And what he did was he actually was crying out for help because there was an alliance between uh, the king of the northern kingdom, the king of Israel, made an alliance with the king of Aram or the king of Aram. And so what he did was he also made an alliance with the king of Assyria. And so eventually the Assyrians took over and, uh, you know, basically took out uh, and took them out into exile. And there was an Assyrian rule. And, but this particular situation, they were crying out for deliverance. And the prophet Isaiah basically said a prophetic word, not about their current situation, but really the reference of the prophecy was 700 years from then. 700 years you know, before the birth of Christ, this prophetic word came, and it was pointing to the Messiah, which will be born 700 years later. Okay, and so in Isaiah chapter 9, we've read verse 6. We're going back to verse 2. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And who is that light? Jesus. In the midst of dark times, in the midst of the Roman rule, 700 years later, they're no longer under the Assyrian rule. They're no longer under the Babylonian rule. They are now under the Roman Empire. And as the Roman Empire promised Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. In reality, there was no peace. The same government that promised peace was the same government that oppressed them, the people of, uh, the people of God, the Israelites. And so it says, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And here we can see that Jesus, in the midst of dark times, came and he promised deliverance for his people. How many of you know that despite the difficulty that we face every single day, God is there in our midst? Amen? As long as there is a flicker of light, there is hope. Amen? Don't ever give up on life. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, there is hope. There is hope. No matter how difficult it is, there is hope. And Jesus was born in the midst of the difficult times. You know, many times we just look at ourselves and we throw in the towel and we give up and we say, I quit. I don't like this job anymore. I don't like this relationship anymore. I don't like this friendship anymore. I don't like life. You know, some people just quit on life. Some people just want to quit on their job. How many of you would like to quit your job? Don't raise your hand, okay? But I believe that we need to be grateful for what we have. Amen. You know, the fact that we have jobs, the fact that we have breath in our lungs, there is hope. You know, every single day, there's something to thank God for. You know, as we close this year, we're almost done with 2014. We're going to be opening 2015. How many of you know that more things will happen in 2015? But as you look back in 2014, there's a lot of things we can thank God for. The good and the bad. The good and the bad made who we are right now, and we can actually depend on the grace of God. Amen. And so, I believe that in every situation, Jesus came, and He is definitely the light of the world. And when you walk into a dark room, it doesn't take much light to make darkness disappear. Right? It only takes one spark. How do you call that song? It is better to light. Something like that, okay? Just, you, don't like, you don't know how that, okay? I'm asking the veteran pastor, Pastor Sani, because, you know, before I became a Christian, he's already a pastor. But anyway, so... <laughs> So you probably know all the ancient songs, but 
So, you know, if you walk into a dark room, you know, one flick of light and darkness will dissipate, no matter how thick that darkness is. And Jesus is like that to us. And so if you look at verse 6 of, you know, Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For to us a what? A child is born, and to us a son is given. You know, these two statements basically talks about the fullness of the nature and the attribute of Jesus. First statement, it says, For to us a child is born. How many of you have children? Or how many of you have a birthday? Can you please raise your hand? How many of you were born on this planet? Please raise your hand. Hindi ka sumingaw. Hindi ka yung sumulput ka lang dito, di ba? We have a birthday. How many of you have a birthday? You, were, you have a born day, right? A birthday. You have a birthday. And so Jesus had a birthday. We don't know exactly what it was. But how many of you, he came here on earth. He became human just like us. And this particular statement talks about his humanity. You know, his, this child being born, this child being born in a manger, took the form of a human flesh and became just like us. He suffered. He faced you know, difficulty. He uh, experienced hunger. He experienced uh, uh, loneliness. You know, he was a normal child. He was born. That is the Son of Man. 100% human. That was Jesus. And yet the second statement, it says, To us a son is given. This talks about his divinity, his lordship, his nature being God, his being the second person in the Holy Trinity. Okay, what's, who, who are the three persons in the Trinity? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not the Mother, right? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who is the Son? Jesus. And this is what we're looking at. For to us, a Son is given. Remember John 3.16? What does that say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, no, that's the wrong scripture, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This is where it is. A Son is given because God loved the world. This is where we see that the promised Savior, the promised Messiah, is really born out in the heart of God to save His people from their sins. But they're describing... They're describing who this son is, who this child was. And in verse 6b, it says, And the government shall what? Be upon his shoulder. We are talking about someone in authority. When it says, The government shall be on your shoulder. How many of you know this is not an ordinary child? This is a child that will you know, walk the face of the earth and yet he was the very one who spoke the earth into existence. He was the very one who formed the earth. He was the very one who, he walked among his people and he was the one who created the people that he walked with. The government shall be on his shoulder. You know, earlier, uh, Kiko was sharing about the offering and he was talking about the magi or the wise men they were supposed to be kings from far, far away, okay? From, uh, from the Orient, uh, wherever, okay? And so they discovered the star, and so they followed the star. How many, how many kings were there? We don't know. There were three gifts, right? But we're not sure about the kings, okay? We're sure about the gifts, okay? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? And the gold talks about his kingship. 
it basically describes the kingship. You know, when you, when you, how many of you are ready to give gifts uh, to your loved ones? Some of you are still going to buy gifts, right? But, you know, you normally buy a gift that is apt for the person that you're giving to. Hopefully, we don't just recycle gifts, right? Although some do that, okay? We call that re-gifting, okay? But, you know, if you really know the person that you're giving the gift to, you normally give a person the gift that is fitted for that person. And the gift that they gave this baby Jesus are fitted for him. Three gifts. Gold, that talks about his kingship. Frankincense, it talks about somebody, uh, you know, his divinity, the, you know, his being a god, because the incense is now is, is being used in the temple by the priest, you know, as the smoke goes up. And uh, the last gift that was given to a baby was myrrh. Do you know what myrrh is? Myrrh is actually like formalin. It's actually a preservative for, make, you know, for preserving people who died. Can you imagine if you have a baby who was born you know, just now in the, in the nursery, you know, somebody gives you formalin or, you know, I think you would slap that person who gave you that gift, right? And this basically points to the prophecy that this child will eventually be our Savior. That this child will eventually die for us. This gift of myrrh is a prophetic gesture by the wise men who knew the word that one day a, a child is coming who will give his life for us. And the myrrh is actually a prophetic thing that will be used, that one day when he passes away, for us, that will be used to embalm him. So there are, you know, these are the three, okay, okay the three gifts. Of course, they don't know if they're really kings, but during that time, there's one king that was ruling in the nation of Israel, and his name is King Herod. He was a bad king. He was so insecure that he actually, when he found out that this magi came to worship the Lord Jesus, he actually had all the babies, two uh, years old and below, killed. What an evil king. But not Jesus. Jesus is a very compassionate king. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And when you talk about what kind of king Jesus is, we, we look at the names of Christ in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and what are the names that he has? Wonderful. Counselor, what's the next name? Mighty God. Third name, Everlasting Father. Fourth name, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. How many of you have actually had somebody counsel you? Maybe you're looking for an advice. Okay? We all need counsel. Okay? And um, you know, the, the king is supposed to be the person who is a wise king who would give counsel to his people. The wisest king who ever lived, who was that? Solomon. And, you know, people from all over the world would come to Solomon and seek his advice. In fact, one particular account, the Queen of Sheba went to him and, you know, she was basically wondering, what is this king that people are talking about? And so he told Solomon, you know what? You know, I heard about your wisdom, but, you know, what I am experiencing right now basically surpasses what I've heard. The wisdom that I see in you. And, he, and she said, Blessed are the men who actually serve with you because of the wisdom that you have. And how many of you know that ultimately wisdom comes from God? Amen. How many of you are asking the Lord for wisdom for the year 2015? Amen, right? And maybe some of you are you know, already preparing your planner. Some of you drank all the Starbucks you can get to buy that 
you know, Starbucks planner, or maybe you drank all the coffee bean, um, the coffee so that you can get that giving journal or whatever. And so you're here, you're actually asking the Lord, Lord, what's, what's there for 2015? Let's ask the Lord for wisdom. Amen. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the one who guides us. He is the one who will give us direction. How many of you know that God has great plans for us? Amen. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. You know, that's who our God is. And God wants to make sure that we will be on track with His plan and His purpose. Look at the person beside you. Smile and tell that person, God has a big plan for you. And that's a good plan. That's a good plan. That's why we need to seek Him. As King, as God, He is Wonderful Counselor. Not only is He Wonderful Counselor, He is what? Mighty God. And what do you mean by Mighty God? There is nothing impossible with God. Amen. So whatever difficult situation we are in, how many of you know that God can deliver us and will deliver us? That's the nature of God. If He can spit open the Red Sea... For the people of God, He can split open your credit card or whatever, okay? Your, your problem in the office or your problem at work. or He can actually tell this mountain, go throw itself into the sea. That's the mighty God that we serve. Amen? And next is everlasting Father. You know, it's interesting to know that when you talk about kings, kings basically make rules. Kings would say, you know, this is the law because the law, my word is my law. Whenever a king speaks, speak. It's okay. <laughs> Whenever a king speaks, basically that's the law of the land. And no one can actually break that law unless the king would actually reverse that law. So it's a matter of, you know, do this, don't do that. You know, this is the law. You know, maybe a picture of a king that we have, you know, maybe if you watched Lord of the Rings, okay, that's a picture of a king. Right? And, you know, but what... What is being portrayed here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is not only is he a not, not that he is a strict king, he is actually a father to us. A father that is not just you know, about putting boundaries in our lives, though that's important, but it's a father who wants to have a relationship with us. That's the nature of our king. He wants to create a relationship with you and me. You know, I... You know, I can have a lot of titles. I can be a pastor. I can be a lead pastor. I can be, you know, the husband to my wife, Shirley. I can, uh, you know, I can be part of the apostolic team. I can actually be a board member of Real Life. But for my daughters, for Bea, Andrea, and Anna, I am their father. Basically, that's my title. And, you know, what that means is I want to create relationships with them, a relationship with them. You know, it's interesting to know that, you know, I was talking to my two daughters and they kind of told me, you know what, Dad, we like you. And I asked, why is that? Because you always say yes to us. I said, what do you mean by that? Yeah, you always say yes to us. I'm not sure if they're actually uh, manipulating me, but, you know, you always say yes to us. You know, if mommy says no to serenity, you would say yes to serenity, something like that, you know. So, so I like you. They're saying, I like you as daddy. Because I'm not sure if that's the role of a dad to always say yes to things for their daughters. But somehow it's all about creating relationships. Of course, I'm still strict. We discipline our children. But at the same time, each 
each uh, moment is meant to be shared to have a relationship with them. The last name that he has is Prince of Peace, according to uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Prince of Peace. How many of you sometimes feel that you lack peace? So many things happening you know, in your family, so many things happening in this nation, so many uncertainties out there. You know, maybe some of you don't even have peace in your job. Some of you don't even have peace in your relationship. Is it, is it going to last? But when you, when you talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, He is the Prince of Peace. You know what peace means? It comes from the Greek word shalom, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. There's harmony there. You know, it's a restoration of our relationship between us and God. That when Jesus finally came, He destroyed the power of sin over us. He, you know, when He said, uh, you know, on the, on the cross, when He said, it is finished. The temple veil, you know, torn from top to bottom. And what that means is really a restoration of the access between you and God. That you don't know, you don't, longer any, uh, need any priest in order for you to be able to go to God because you yourself are a priest unto God. Amen. How many of you are glad that we can actually go straight to God when we pray? Amen. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord praise. That when we pray, God hears our prayers. You do not have to go through Pastor Sunny, Okay? And get a handkerchief and touch him like that. Okay? You don't have to do that. Okay? <laughs> And pray, okay? You don't. We can actually go straight to God. We can go straight because that's the relationship that we have. We have been restored. We are now at peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, peace be with you. Peace. And also with you, okay? All right. Peace. Okay, he's the prince of peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. But I want to focus on it went back. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 says, And behold, everybody say, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him or his name who? Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? Jesus means the Lord saves. It comes from the Greek word Yeshua or Hebrew word Yeshua, which means the Lord Almighty saves. Verse 32, He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be what? No end. It's going to be an everlasting kingdom. Guess what? We are in the kingdom of God right now. That's the news. We are co-ruling with God. We are part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, you know, when... When uh, John the Baptist was talking about the kingdom of God is near. And then Jesus, the kingdom of God is here. Because he, he went here already. He, he walked this earth already. And we are in the kingdom of God. Amen? And then one day, that kingdom will still be revealed. More on that in another series, okay? He, and his, you know, his reign, the Bible says his reign will be great. And what does great mean? Great means megas. Okay, this is where we get the word megamol, right? Means great, great in importance, in estimation, in ability, and virtue, and authority, and power. But what kind of king is Jesus? I only have two points. Okay, that was a long introduction for my two points. 
No, but that's really part of my preparation for us. To understand what it means for Jesus to rule and reign as king. I mean, what's his method of leading his people? Number one, he is a king who served. Everybody say, king who served. I mean, he served as an example for his disciples in the area of service. That's why we read earlier in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. I want to make a comment here. Sometimes, you know, when you have like leaders in the nation, sometimes they can actually abuse their power. How many of you would nod your head and agree with me on that? Not all, but some. I appreciate one of the uh, government leaders that I'm discipling right now personally. I'm not going to mention the name. Maybe you're familiar with him. But it's interesting to know that as I, you know, me and Pastor June would disciple him, you know, he would take the low-key approach in the area of leading. You know, he would be humble enough that every time he would drive, he would actually, you know, given his budget, he would not buy an expensive, expensive expedition. But I find him, whenever I would bring him to his car, he would actually ride an Innova as a senator. And as I said, you know, why do you drive an Innova? I, I want to have low-key. You know, in fact, when I would go to the parking, he would mention, you know, I would go to the parking, I'm the only one driving an Innova. The other ones are driving Escalade, Navigator, you know, Expedition, and I am coming in with an Innova. And, you know, and I, I said, so you, do you ever use your number... Uh, seven, because normally senators have the number seven. No, I don't even use that number. I just drive and, you know, I, you know, with an ordinary license plate. That's why sometimes when he would drive along EDSA, you know, and there's, uh, you know, like a city government who has a huge entourage, you know, the Howie boys and the Wang Wang boys, you know, would actually drive and, you know, they would actually drive beside him and they would actually tell his car, you know, stay, you know, stay aside because the leader of this city or something like that or one of the counselors is passing by. <laughs> and so, you know, politely he would just actually just pour, pull down his window and he would actually salute the guard and they would actually be surprised, oh, it's a senator. But he doesn't mind. And I said, you know, you actually are an example in the area of leadership because you're not one who lords it over the people. He always, you know, took the low-key approach to leading. In verse 26, it says, Not shall be so among you. And it, sorry, it shall, be not, it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Not sure if you went down to, uh, to save more and did your grocery, but from time to time, they would actually have, you know, a, you know, a, 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 you know, a chant. And they would actually just from time to time, maybe every 30 minutes, they would have happy to serve, something like that. You know, you know, you, know, you, you will be surprised about wow, <laughs> Woo! you know, about you know the excitement, you know, the the gusto of you know them wanting to serve their customers because what they're saying is you are our valued customers and we are happy to serve, something like that. Okay, and of course we don't have to do that to serve. We don't have to announce to the world that we are. Happy to serve. You know, I'm glad that the ushers don't have that routine. Happy to serve you. You know, can you imagine if one Sunday you enter this place? 
happy to serve. You know, you know, they all have this choreograph, you know, about that. But in reality, when you talk about service, it's a matter of the heart. Jesus came here to serve his people. What king would do that? What kind of a king would bow down and wash his disciples' feet? What kind of a king was that? Is that? You know, years ago, when uh, our office was in a humble, uh, small office in Makati uh, Avenue Extension, in a bliss building, I remember, you know, when we were back in the 90s, uh, we had a staff meeting one time, and Pastor Steve felt like we should have communion among the staff and the pastors, and that we, need to, uh, we ought to wash each other's feet. And so that's what, that was new for us. And, uh, you know, and what he said was, get a partner. And so I got a partner, and the partner I got was Pastor Ferdy Kabiling, who was the running pastor. He was not yet a running pastor then, but somehow, looking at his feet, I said, hmm, there's a potential for this man <laughs> to run because of the thick feet. But anyway, so, but when you talk about washing another person's feet, it's, 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 it's kind of uneasy for you because, you know, here you are, that person is seated on a chair, and here you are, you're bowing down, getting a basin, and you're slowly washing the feet of this person, going one toe at a time. Yuck. <laughs> and I told Ferdy, <laughs> no, I actually humbled myself and, you know, just washed his feet. And it was my turn and he washed my feet. And it's a bit ticklish. <laughs> so, so what he washed my feet. But somehow, you know, after that, years later, we became very good friends. We even became neighbors. And our children, our, our two eldest daughters, actually were best friends. Bea and Elizabeth are the best of friends because... Our house are just across each other, and they went to the same school. So basically, that act of service was an avenue to create a lasting bond for me and Ferdy. And we always go back to that point, that when we go back in our friendship, when Pastor Ferdy and I, we have deep respect for each other. He's, you know, he's the senior pastor of the Ortigas Church. He turned it over to Pastor Rico, and now he's heading the Victor, uh, Victory Metro Manila. Every time we work together, we somehow remember that, and there was a deep bond. And how many of you know that when you talk about bond, bonds can be uh, forged in the area of serving? You know, sometimes, you know, for example, if you are, you know, if you would like to go and uh, join an outreach, you know, I've known of some singles who actually found their love of their life in an outreach by serving other people. And by serving other people, they actually found the love of their life. Can you imagine? So the next time we announce a 10-day missions trip, who knows? Part of your team might be somebody that you will serve with and you will actually be bonded together for life. Okay, so everybody say, happy to serve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> verse 28, verse 8 says, even as the Son of Man came not to be what? Not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came, not so that we can serve Him, 
but that so he can be served, uh, he can serve us. And he basically did that so that he can be an example for us to follow. You know, when you talk about servant, servant is actually a word that comes from the Greek word diakonos. This is where we get the word deacons, and which means to wait on tables. You know, to wait on tables. It's kind of like a waiter. Have you ever eaten in a nice restaurant wherein the waiter is just so, you know, so, uh, so prompt, so uh, you know, attentive to your needs that, for example, if your glass is half filled and you talk to your, to your seatmate and when you look at your glass, it's now full? Have you ever experienced that? Have you, Whoa, and what happened here? You know, because there was a, there's a waiter who's there behind you. You know, I remember this uh, movie, Mr. Digi. Very, very sneaky. It's almost like that. You know, it's uh, somebody who's beside you and who's actually always attentive, waiting on you, waiting to, you know, to basically meet your needs. If your, you know, if your, uh, if your plate is soiled, he is there to change your plate and give you a brand new plate. You know, those kinds of waiters ought to get good tips. Because of the service, they wait on you. And you know what? Jesus came not to wait on us, but somehow to serve us. Kind of like that. He basically not only served us in the physical sense, He served us in the spiritual sense. John chapter 12 says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me on the same road, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. How many of you would like to be honored? By the Father Himself, we need to serve. Amen? That's why I appreciate all the people serving in this church, the ushers, the music team, the kids' church teachers, the intercessors, uh, the tech team, the creative people. Can we just give them a hand right now? I believe that they, you know, they deserve some sort of some gratitude. We need to thank them for that. They come in week in, week out, and they serve. We don't pay them any salary. They just serve. They want to make life easy for us, the church. So hopefully, you can also serve with them. The last point, as I come to a close, is the king who sacrificed. What kind of king is Jesus? He is not only a king who served, but he is the king who sacrificed. I talked about this a lot last week. He was the lamb who was sacrificed for us. He was the one who gave his life for us so that we can live. We read that in Matthew 20, verse 28, the second portion, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when you hear the word ransom, what comes to mind? Kidnap. <laughs> Kidnap for ransom, right? You know, that's somehow you know, a negative connotation when you talk about ransom. Okay, somebody was kidnapped. But it was actually a, uh, you know, a word used in those days whenever they want to redeem something. For example, if you are in need of something, you pawn it. And if you want to redeem it, you pay the redemption or the bond. That is a ransom, the price that you need to pay for redemption. So a ransom is the price for redeeming or liberating someone or something. How many of you know that we all deserve to go to hell? Every one of us. Not one exempted, even the pastors. We're all deserving to go to hell. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all deserve to die. We were on a highway to hell. 
you know, we were all doing our own thing. No one was seeking God. And we were all rebellious before Him. You know, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the beauty of our God. You know, as King, He not only served us, He sacrificed for us and gave His life for us so that you and I can live. We need to be, actually, we, we deserve to die. Every one of us deserve to go to hell. But I'm better than this guy or I'm better than that, than that guy. You know what, guess what? If you just commit one sin, how many of you committed one sin, at least in your life? One sin, everybody raise your hand. At least one sin. At least one sin. How many of you committed one sin? Okay, if you're not raising up your hand, okay, you just committed one sin right now, the sin of lying, okay? So all of us, all of us committed one sin. One sin is enough to bring us to hell. And it had to take the life of our Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of Man to give Himself on the cross and basically offer Himself as the substitute for us. That's why the Bible says He became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. There was a divine exchange. As He was hanging on that cross, we are being liberated from our sins. The power of hell, the power of sin, the power of death is being broken over our lives. Amen? Can we just give the Lord praise tonight? I believe that God deserves all the gratitude that we can give to Him. As I come to a close, who is Jesus? Jesus is really the humble King who came to serve His people. He humbled Himself. He was King. He deserves... You know, all the glory, he deserves all the honor, he deserves all the accolade, he deserves our utmost loyalty and respect. But yet he humbled himself in order to serve us and sacrificed for us. I want to end by reading Philippians chapter 2. I'd like to call the music team to join me here on stage. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Have this in mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, how many of you know Jesus is God? Yet he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And you've seen, you know, some politicians who did, you know, immoral acts or unethical things who basically disqualifies them from office and yet they will do everything they can to hang on to that position and that, you know, that seat of power. But here is Jesus, the God who created the world, the God who put all the stars in the sky and named them and gave, gave them names, the God who basically is ruler over every area of life, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He put down his crown, went out of his throne. And the Bible says, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself further by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's the God we serve. That's the king that you and I are celebrating this Christmas. He came, He 
became a child. He grew up to be a man. He was crucified. He died. He was buried for three days. And guess what happened? On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Amen? Because sin and death cannot stop him. Amen? He was resurrected from the dead. Therefore, God has exalted himself and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that, can we all read these last statements? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the God we serve. King who is humble enough to take our place. The King who was God became man. He took the form of a human being. Incarnation in the flesh so that he can actually become a sheep from being a shepherd who guides us became a sheep and a lamb who takes away the sins of the world he was sacrificed for us and died the most physically violent death anyone can ever imagine the most excruciating pain can be given to any human being he was the king who became a servant. He came to serve and became a ransom so that you and I can be freed from the, lip, from the clutches of sin and be freed from a life of death. Because of our faith in Him, amen, we are liberated and we can actually have forgiveness and have everlasting life. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. For more updates, visit us on our website at www.victoryalabang.org and download the Victory Alabang app for your mobile devices. Thank you and have a Merry Christmas!